wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your presenter on Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, now, folks, this week uh, we're following the theme, Essential Steps to Jesus. And uh, yesterday uh, we were talking about that all-important question, what is the gospel? Uh, really did appreciate all that uh, Pastor Marty uh, had to share uh, yesterday. Uh, today uh, we're dealing with uh, a related uh, but very similar subject. Uh, what is repentance and is it essential? Uh, this is so core to the whole Christian faith. Uh, now, now look guys, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to comment, if you'd like to ask a question, if you'd like to give some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Now, uh, that, uh, you can do that by actually, uh, uh, texting us at our studio text number, which is 04888 80811 04888-80811. And of course, uh, today, uh, to guide us through our discussion, we're going to be uh, joined by Pastor Brenton Wilkinson. And Brenton is a, a man who has retired uh, from full-time ministry, but seems to, appears to struggle to understand the concept of retirement. retirement. Welcome to you, uh, Brenton. Thank you, Gary. It's nice to be on again. (laughs) Dare I ask what you've been up to? Because I believe you've been running down to uh, your old parish in uh, 400 kilometres away in the the southeast. Tell me something. Can you define for me what is retirement? Uh, retirement for some is no, 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 no. For you, I mean, like, because because this is something that I, I I'm <laughs> conscious that you appear to be doing almost as much yeah, work as yeah. before you retire. Uh, I think I probably am. Um, let me put it this way: if the Lord has things that He wants me to do and I can help, I'm happy to do them. So yeah, I, I yeah. guess that's the bottom line. Yeah, I don't believe Gary really there is such a thing as a totally retired minister because there are always needs, there are always calls, and there are not always people to fill in those particular things. So I see my role primarily at the moment as helping out where I can uh, throughout the church. Yes, last weekend I was down in my old parish of Mount Gambia. I preached there Sabbath morning. Uh, Saturday afternoon I preached at Narra Court and then we drove back to Adelaide. The weekend before I was at Wyala. The weekend before that I was at uh, Kadena because my wife, uh, for those of our listeners who probably don't know anything about my wife, my wife trains church treasurers on the new accounting system called ACAS Mm. Mm. and she also audits church books. Now, uh, when I mentioned the word Kadena and the word Wyala, we were over on the West Coast during that week uh, at Port Perry, Port Augusta, Wyala and Port Lincoln, and she wow. was auditing church books. And Saturday, two weeks ago, I was preaching at Wyala Church. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the little overview. I think we've done about 2,500 kilometres of driving in the last fortnight. Wow. Um, Long-distance driving, me are good friends. Yeah, <laughs> My, yeah. Um, I think it 
would be fair to say that my car is like a taxi, Gary. The yeah. motor is never yeah. gold. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say that's actually good for it. Look, we would, <laughs> yes. we'd love to do a really big shout out, actually, particularly to our friends down in the southeast Absolutely. here, South Australia, yeah. uh, down in, in the Mount Gambier, Narra Court, the uh, uh, Millicent uh, region, because they've got a, uh, I, I know we have listeners down that part of the we part do. of the world. We do. Uh, in fact, just yesterday we've had, you know, we had a number of requests, you know, for our literature from that part, from that part of the world. So we just want to say a really big shout out. It's great to yes. have uh, you guys on board with us. Uh, many of our listeners don't uh, don't realise that we're we're actually going right now. Uh, we're speaking to 137 uh, stations live, and this program is actually repeated tomorrow to a similar number of stations. And a lot of those, uh, while they're low power uh, stations, a lot of those are country towns yes, uh, that uh, don't have the benefits of the uh, of the city environment. So uh, we feel incredibly blessed to be able to share, particularly with Australian country, Australian mm, outback, mm. Australian small towns. That's what I was saying about the retirement issue. I feel it's a privilege to be on programs like Drive Time yeah. to be able to share with the people of Australia because we're not just sharing with South Australians yeah. and people from country South Australia. We're sharing all over Australia. Yeah, And um, I believe the Holy Spirit blesses our our efforts and uh, we look forward hopefully Gary one day to meeting some of these people uh, and indeed <laughs> who are that's, listening that's exactly <laughs> what's going in for the books we things. we have actually got something very good and it hasn't been released just yet but here in South Australia uh, we're actually going to have a meet the presenters program and I'm really looking forward to this this is happening in mid September yes. and uh, yes. uh, this is just about to uh, to, to be released information uh, on this uh, uh, meet the presenters uh, we're going to be providing a meal uh, we'd love if you are in this Adelaide, the, large, the greater Adelaide area we'd love to be able to, to meet you but look we'll come to that uh, a little bit later but sure. uh, look let's come to our World Watch segment because I, yes. I'd like to bounce something off you you're a pastor now of many years experience and uh, you've uh, you've certainly had uh, experience with people in uh, in prayer and particularly with requests for miracles now uh, this is something that uh, jumped out at me because I I read it in uh, uh, this is the Denison Forum who uh, co- Denison um, Jim Denison actually comments on numerous Christian uh, topics yes, yes. and uh, what he has done on this particular occasion is talk spoken about the uh, uh, the bushfires that of course are over in Hawaii and the horrendous no. damage that's occurred over there but just listen to what the, what he says in this article Christians uh, don't pray for miracles it's entitled as often as we should now uh, he's addressing of course the Christian world um, but this is what the uh, article says Everything is gone. Every single one of the family homes, the entire Lahana uh, town and the entire subdivision of Lahana, absolutely gone. This is how Jordan Sarabay, uh, Hawaii, the Hawaii, um, uh, described uh, the Hawaii wildflower wildfires <laughs> that engulfed the hometown, his hometown on the island of Maui just this week. People were diving into the sea to escape the inferno. We saw it last night on It TV. was on television, wasn't it? This was horrendous. Um, one resident uh, called the scene apocalyptic. 
week. Now the Hawaiian governor, Josh Green, estimates that upwards of 1,700 buildings were destroyed by the Hawaii bushfires. The death toll stood at 55 as of last night as firefighting efforts are continuing. The full extent of the devastation may not be known for weeks or months, but it's clear that Lahana is gone. As Sarabay fled what looked like a war zone, he wondered what would be left to go back to, just praying that a miracle happens, he said. And then there's a a subtitle here, What I Did Not Ask God to Do in the Hawaii Bushfires. I need to make a confession, he said. When news outlets began reporting on the Hawaii wildflowers on Maui, wildfires, I keep saying wildfires, why am I doing this? The wildflowers are probably gone. (laughs) They probably are, (laughs) that goodness me. The wildfires on Maui, I should have gone and done the same but I did not I watched the videos listened to reports from the scene and read articles on the unfolding tragedy I prayed for the safety of those affected by the devastation and for the families of those killed by the inferno however while answers to such uh, prayers could be uh, classified as miracles extraordinary events manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, I did not ask God to do what Jordan Sarabay prayed, to intervene by stopping the wildfires themselves. Mm, I did not ask God to supersede the laws of nature as Jesus did when he stilled the stormy sea of Galilee. I did not ask him to calm the hurricane, force winds fueling the uh, the conflagration, send torrential rain to douse the flames or otherwise act to stop the wildfires. Yes. Why? Why not? Did you? It's not that I don't believe God can work in such ways. I believe his testimony. I believe uh, I... um, I, the Lord, do not change. And the biblical assertion, I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anything that he has done, he can still do. In fact, I've witnessed miracles personally on occasion. Bodies have been healed beyond medical or natural capacity. Occurrences that have no logical or natural explanation. People radically transformed by God's grace. Why then? Did I not immediately ask God to intervene miraculously by stopping the wildfires in Maui? If you didn't pray for such a miracle, why didn't you? Upon reflection, I realized that I don't pray for miracles as often as I should because I don't experience them often enough to be confident that God will grant them when I ask. If you call a friend, but they never pick up on or call you back, you'll probably stop calling them. However, your response then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Your decision to stop calling guarantees that they won't respond to your calls. Something similar can happen in our relationship with God. He honors the freedom he has given us so that you do not have because you do not ask, according to James. The less we ask, the less we receive, until we stop asking. None of this is God's fault, though we blame him. And the fact is, 
As as in all relationships, our experience of God is conditioned by our expectations of him. If we expect him to answer our prayers for miracles, we are more likely to pray for miracles and thus to experience them. Expectant prayer does not obligate the king of the universe to do what we ask. But when we pray with expectant faith, we position ourselves to experience God's grace Mm -hmm. as he gives us what we ask or what is best. As with Paul's thorn in the flesh, he either removes our thorn or he redeems it. Yes. Then there will be times when, as with a parent relating to their child, there is no is better for us than his yes. We may not understand the reasons until we are with him in glory. But at such times, when we cannot see his hand, we can trust his heart. The only alternative is to live in Nazareth, where Jesus did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. I am convinced that God would be more visibly and miraculously active in our post-Christian culture if Christians were more zealous to pray for such miracles. Charles Spurgeons uh, told about a young pastor who complained that he'd been preaching for several months and had not seen a single conversion. And do you expect said Mr. Spurgeon, that the Lord is going to bless you and save souls every time you open your mouth. No, sir, uh, the young man replied. Well then, said Mr. Spurgeon, that is why you do not get souls saved. If you had believed, the Lord would have given you the blessing. What do you expect God to do in response to your prayers today? Now, Brenton, I really like to throw this one to, to you because I'm just really uh, conscious that this is a, a little bit of a, a complex article. But I'd love to know, you know, zero. how do you how do you feel about this prayer miracle linkage? I mean, Scripture tells us in James to uh, pray for the sick. You've done that. I've I, I've sure, done that many sure, times. Sure. Sometimes you do actually see a remarkable transformation. Yes, Sometimes. You see miraculous healing, but other times you sort of wonder, does God care? And I'm sort of left, you know, do you understand the struggle of so many people with this particular question? I mean, does this trouble you? I mean, how do you respond to it? It does. Um, You and I were talking off air about the issue of anointing. I guess that comes into it because anointing, is done on the basis that the Bible tells us to anoint, uh, to call the elders. Now, anointing, of course, is the practice of uh, putting a small amount of oil on a person's yes, head. It's recommended right. by the uh, by the Apostle James in his book, asking that the prayer of faith will with anointing will save the sick. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, so basically uh, what you've got there is um, what I do in an anointing service these days is the first thing I clarify for the person who's asked for the anointing is that this is not the last rites. It's amazing the number of people who (laughs) ask for anointing because they think they're terminally ill or there's some some issue uh, that's, that's caused them to think this way. 
anointing is not the last rites. What you're doing in anointing is you are placing yourself in God's hands. Now, to go back to this article that Jim Dennison has written, it's an, it's an interesting uh, one, but there's a couple of things that I could throw in here that maybe we're thinking about. Do you remember a number of years ago we had some major bushfires here in Australia? Mm, mm. Uh, Victoria, New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a demonstrated fact that in many cases these days, every year you would, you would know as well as I do that the SA fire service or the, uh, the country fire service tells you to slash the grass around your property. Yeah. To, to yeah. clear any debris or yeah. rubbish yeah. away from your yeah. property yeah. so as to prevent <clears throat> or at least, um, ameliorate um, what's what's going on now? Some of the bushfires we've had over the last few years are simply because the work that should have been done in clearing areas, yeah. i.e., national yeah. parks and that sort mm. of thing. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but some of them sometimes that work has not been done effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've driven up in the Adelaide Hills um, after serious bushfires, and I've been past properties where there are trees growing over the top of the houses, you can see the rubbish in the gutter and all all that type of thing. Therefore, the question is this, should I be praying to God for a miracle when I haven't taken the time? When there is a role, when human responsibility has to kick in. I don't know what the role on Maui is. I mean, the the devastation on Maui is immense. Yeah. It really is. There's no doubt about that. But are the human factors that are not being brought out by the media that perhaps are contributing or were contributory to that? I'm I'm just canvassing that area. I'm, I'm not... But how do you, I mean, Bryn, how do you respond? Let's move away from the Maui and the yeah. Hawaiian bushfires. How do you respond to someone? Because I'm so conscious there may be people listening to us today who say, hey, look, you know, I'm struggling with a, uh, you know, with a, with a health condition. I'm yes. struggling with some, yes. uh, so, some matter. You know, I've even been, uh, been anointed. Uh, I've had people pray for me and, uh, you know, it, it, I, I I wish it had done more. I mean, how do you respond to that type of situation? There's no pat answer for it. I can say this. What I'd say to people today, if I was asked to anoint someone today, I would tell them this. I would say what we are doing is in harmony with what the book of James says and what we are doing is we are placing you in God's hands. We are asking God to heal you. Yeah. Now, the Greek word, as uh, we both know, is sozo, yeah. which can mean a number of different things. Yeah. can mean physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, yeah. or a combination of all three. Yeah. Now, what what is the answer that God is going to give? Only God can determine what's best because yeah. there are a number of issues here. And the main issues in asking for healing and asking for miracles are these and Jim hasn't really canvassed those. He, he hasn't. Any he great hasn't. The first thing is, if you're asking for a miracle, first and foremost, is it to God's glory? Is yeah. it going to honour and glorify God if he performs this miracle? Yeah, yeah. And I believe a second uh, response is, let's say it's healing. You're praying for healing. You've been to the doctor. The doctor's told you you're terminally ill with cancer. Mm. And that you're going to, you've only got a matter of months. Yeah. And so yeah. you call upon the minister or the elders of the church and ask for healing. Um, going back to point one, 
Is it to, to God's glory to heal you? Only God can answer that one. Number two, if God chose to heal you, has your lifestyle up until that point contributed to the situation you find yourself in? Yeah. Now, in some cases it has. In other yeah. cases it hasn't. Yeah. I can take my mother-in-law, for instance. My mother-in-law <laughs> was one of the healthiest eating yeah. people, yeah. and yet she died of cancer. Yeah. Yeah, and yet there are other cases, and there are so many people that I've certainly had. <laughs> this is why there's no one one answer that fits everything. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm just alluding to the fact that it's two two things: would your lifestyle change, and is it to God's glory? Yeah. In other words, are there things that you can do to change the situation if God steps in and says, "Yes, I'm going to heal you of your terminal cancer, but I want you to live a healthier lifestyle from now on. You know, Brenton, I appreciate what you're saying there. One of the things that I know that uh, when I conduct an anointing service, when sure, I pray sure. for the sick, mm. one of the, the chapters that I actually like to read to people is uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and I would encourage anybody one. who anybody who's struggling with this particular issue to come to Hebrews chapter 11 because Paul in writing this chapter does something incredibly beautiful. What he does is he goes through history and uh, throughout history he gives of the tell stories of the wonderful ways that God has blessed various patriarchs but then towards the end of the chapter he turns the whole thing on its head and he he, he comes to a crescendo and he says hey others were tortured not accepting deliverance there were others who uh, he talks about Isaiah being uh, persecuted and sawn in two mm-hmm. he talks about uh, people being uh, left as uh, as as um, uh, wanderers on the earth yes. uh, you know he speaks of so many and uh, you know the question of course that uh, that does come up is you know why does God appear? to have worked for some while others. You know, to me, as I look at this, you know, if in fact faith uh, resulted in automatic healing, if in fact God was the celestial Santa Claus, faith would no longer be faith because you'd actually have a total certainty. Uh, do you know, there are some things I know yeah. that in my life I have to uh, allow God to lead in. You know, I've actually mm. run, as you have um, run, uh, anointing services, sure. and as a result yeah. of, uh, of of that, uh, what we've what we've I've seen is incredible peace descend on the individual. Likewise, uh, I've seen you know there's been other ways than the have I seen physical healing? Yes, I have. Mm. I've seen physical healing. It happens, but it's not the I wouldn't even call it the most the majority of the time. But the one thing that I will. Uh, I would say is that with repetitious, uh, with m- repetitious monotony, I see an incredible peace. I yes. see a change in demeanor. I see a willingness yep. to accept where God is leading. And to me, I, as I look at that, I say, "Hey, this is a very beautiful transformation that does take place." Guys, look, we do need to actually come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Michael W. Smith, and that the song is "Ancient Words." A Please enjoy uh, this uh, incredibly beautiful uh, rendition. Holy words 
And that's Michael W. Smith, uh, and the uh, uh, the song ancient is Ancient uh, Ancient Words, a really beautiful uh, rendition. Now, folks, look, we do have um, a uh, this uh, this giveaway book uh, again for this week. Now, look, this has been becoming a really popular book uh, for this uh, for this week. We are getting uh, quite a lot of uh, requests for it. Now, uh, the book that we're giving away is Knowing Jesus knowing God. Now, this is all about uh, Jesus. It reveals his personality, the reasons why uh, we can believe in him and depend on him and how we can accept his salvation. By knowing Jesus, we know God. Uh, we know God. Uh, the miracle at the heart of the Christian gospel begins in our lives. David Marshall has degrees, including a doctorate in history, but he chose to spend his life communicating the good news about Jesus Christ. He's never happier than when he's immersed in the four Gospels. He believes that having an encounter with the living Christ and through him the generous Father whose arms are open wide to those who want to return to him. Now, folks, look, this is an incredible devotional book. This is a book that um, I, I believe will abundantly bless you uh, if you uh, take up this uh, this particular yes. offer. Uh, now, look, if you know, if you would like uh, to accept this offer, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our, our drive time text number is over. Oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight 80811 and in your text to us because it does come to our desk well it actually comes to our desk and it also goes uh, to our robot uh, it goes uh, and uh, our robot will actually respond to you ask you just a, just a couple of questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible in your text just put the code SA131 now that's five digits in a row SA131 one. Uh, no gap between the SA and the 131. Otherwise, our robot can't understand it for some reason. Uh, SA 131. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Has it, not has real its intelligent, limits. is it? Has its <laughs> limits. Drive, drive time text number again is 04888. 80811 and that code again is SA131. You will love, uh, this, uh, this particular, uh, this particular book. Also, if you've got any comments or thoughts you'd like to give to us, please use that same text number and, uh, uh and send those uh, comments to us. Uh, we won't uh, tell people your name, but, uh, we can uh, certainly share your, your thought on, uh, on air. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary and to guide us through our discussion today we're joined by pastor brenton wilkinson and this week we're following the theme essential steps to jesus yesterday we asked what is the gospel and that was really appreciated today uh i've we're talking to brenton about what is this thing called repentance is it essential now Brenton, let me just put to you, sure. repentance in the uh, contemporary world is actually not a popular word. It's uh, not in vogue. No. It's not in vogue at all. In many ways, the concept has fallen on rather hard times. <laughs> you know, let, let me ask you, I mean, I mean, what is repentance and is it all that essential? I'll give you a definition to start with. Repentance includes sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. So that's a, an easy definition for any listener 
to take on board. If they're wondering what repentance according to the Bible is, it includes sorrow for sin and turning away from it. We were discussing um, just a few minutes ago that there is a version of Christianity out there these days that runs something like this. God is so loving that everybody is going to be saved. It doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing and what they have done or what they are currently doing. <clears throat> God's love is such. It covers all of those things. So God, to some, becomes something along the lines of an indulgent Father Christmas. Mm. Now, if you, if God really was an indulgent Father Christmas, have you thought about this? There is actually no need for repentance. Just continue as you are. Just continue doing what you do, are doing because God will forgive. The Bible tells us that God is love. Yeah. The Bible tells us that God is forgiving. First yeah. John one nine says, though, that if we confess our sins, another word for He is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive them. Now, I, I think this is this is worth thinking about. I've put in my uh, comments here, repentance, real repentance in, in the plan of salvation is not optional, it's mandatory. Okay. You cannot have the salvation of the gospel applied to your life without genuine repentance. And I'm mm. going to give a couple of examples uh, of in the Bible, from the Bible, of people both who repented truly and those who didn't. Okay. So this is important. I'm going to start with those who didn't. Yeah, yeah. That starts with our very first parents, Adam and uh -huh. Eve, uh -huh. Genesis chapter 3. Uh -huh. If you eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, you will surely die. If you eat of That's the what fruit God of the said tree, to them. That's what God said to them, and they went, yep, right. In Genesis 3, we know the story. We, we're not on air to uh, repeat the story today. But when God comes at the end of the day and says to them, what have you done? Mm. Where are you, Adam? What's Adam's answer? The woman you gave me. It's the start, it's the start of the blame game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And she says, the serpent deceived me, and so I ate. Yeah. Now, I find Genesis 3 interesting because not only is there a sentence in there, there is also a promise, the very first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. But in addition to all of that, have you ever thought, Genesis 3, I cannot find any evidence in there of either Adam or Eve saying to God, I'm truly sorry. We yeah. stuffed up. Yeah. We disobeyed you. There's no evidence of that. Yeah. It's almost as though God. It's says, the blame game, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's I mean, the blame game. So, so often, you know, we find this, particularly with our children. I think with my own children when they were young. I mean, my children are adults now, but uh, I know every parent faces exactly the same thing. You know, a little uh, eight-year-old and uh, ten and Miss Ten-year-old are in some sort of a uh, a conflict, and uh, when Mum finally comes to to break up the conflict. Uh, what's the answer? The answer is uh, self-justification, self self uh, blaming the, the brother, blame, blaming the sister. Yeah. How easy it is for mm. us to actually do that. Oh, look, it's, it's very, very easy as well. Um, I believe that repentance, as the Bible describes it, true repentance is a sorrow. It's a sorrow based on the fact that you have broken God's heart. 
It's mm. not a sorrow based on circumstances. Mm. It's a sorrow based on the person who loved you. Mm. You have let him down. Yeah. You yeah. have um, destroyed the trust that he's placed in you. Yeah. That's the only type of sorrow that I believe will lead to repentance. It's the only type of repentance that will lead to change yeah. in a person's yeah. life. Yeah. Now, another example is an interesting one. In First Samuel 15, we have a guy called Saul, mm-hmm. very first king of Israel. God tells Samuel, the prophet, to tell Saul to go and destroy the Amalekites. Now, maybe one day in the future on, on Faith FM we might have a discussion on the issue of why God told people to ri- wipe out certain Yes, yes, groups. yeah, yeah. Here he tells Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. Mm-hmm. Men, women. Children, animals, and that's a different a discussion. And there's a, a really good answer for it, but we're yeah. not going into that today. <laughs> no, we're not yeah, going yeah, yeah. There today. Tells them to wipe, wipe them out. Off goes Saul, and um, sometime later he comes back, and uh, Samuel comes along and says, um, he says to Samuel, "I've carried out the word of the Lord. The Lord told me to destroy Amalek. I have." And um, Samuel says, "Hang on a minute. Is there something wrong with my hearing?" I, I hear a lot of lowing of uh, sheep and cattle and animals and that sort of thing. And he says, oh, look, the people kept the animals to sacrifice to the Lord. And we've kept the king yeah, just yeah. as a trophy. And uh, and yet he was continues to justify himself yeah, till yeah. it gets down later in the chapter um, where Samuel says, wait, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Mm. To obey is better than sacrifice. He yeah. says to him, look. God has rejected you as being king of Israel. All of a sudden, there's a change. There's a market change. I have sinned. Yeah, yeah. He acknowledges that I have sinned, but he was sorry for the consequences. Yeah. The repentance that we are talking about on air today is not a repentance that is based on the consequences. Um, I could compare him with the following king. This is this is actually an acknowledgement, isn't it? That it's what I what have done, done, what I have done, yeah. I am taking responsibility for the sin yes. that I have yes. done. Yes. Yep. I should not have have done what it was that I did. I'm not trying no to excuses. blame my no husband, excuses. my wife. I'm not trying yeah. to blame my children, my you know somebody else. I'm simply saying, hey, I am the one who has made that mistake. I yeah. think this is really key to understanding this particular this particular I, start I, I subject. I believe it is, Gary, because um, back to Saul for just a minute. He says, "But um, hang on a minute. The people kept the animals. It wasn't me. The yeah. people kept the animals yeah. to sacrifice yeah. to the Lord. As though it's not my responsibility. The Lord told me to wipe everything out. I've done it, as far as I'm concerned." And yeah. Samuel says, "No, you haven't." Um, then you think of David. David's adultery with Bathsheba is one of the best-known stories in the whole Bible. But what's interesting about that is in Psalms 51, he says, "Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this wrong." When um, Nathan comes to him some 12 months or more after the adultery, yeah. after the child has been born and all the rest of it. Um, Nathan comes and tells him a story and he gets really mad and says the person who did this ought to pay back for fourfold. It's interesting that um, if you study history carefully, David lost four sons. Mm. But 
the important point is he says, I have sinned against the Lord. Yeah. Now, that's one thing because Paul said, uh, Saul said, I have sinned. Yeah. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Yeah. What the difference between Saul and David is this. King Saul. King Saul, we're yeah. talking about now. The difference is this. David was willing to accept the consequences. Mm. And genuine repentance is not only a sorrow and a turning away from it, but recognizing that there are consequences. We live in a, a society today that I call the no-blame society. It's yeah. nobody's fault. Yeah. And, and I think this, <laughs> what you've actually just said there, I think you've really nailed a, uh, a an important uh, foundation to understanding so. this uh, because we certainly do live in a world today where, hey, it's always somebody else's fault out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the reason that I took the decision was because somebody else enticed me. Uh, right. The reason, you know, you, you look in the political world, you know, yeah. the reason that something has occurred was because of, you know, blame, the, blame the blame game. game. The, the blame, blame game, game is yeah. so significant. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the Scripture cuts right through the whole, uh, that, that whole scenario. With laser-like accuracy. With laser-like <laughs> uh, like yeah. accu- accuracy. Go straight through it. Look, let's just come to some some music if we can, um, and because uh, uh, I'm conscious that our time is starting to yes, move away. It is uh, let's come to Gavin Chatillier uh, as water to the thirsty. I believe this is so relevant for what it is uh, we're sharing uh, today. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy uh, these uh, magnificent words.
that, of course, is uh, Gavin uh, Shatlier, and uh, he's uh, been singing as water to the thirsty, and that is indeed exactly what our God is. Now, folks, look, please, uh, this this book, please don't overlook this book. This book is really worth uh, your uh, your requesting today. Absolutely. Uh, the book is entitled is. Knowing Jesus, Knowing God. This is a beautiful, a beautiful book. It's all about Jesus. It reveals his personality, the reasons why we can believe in him, the reasons why we can depend and trust him, and how we can accept his salvation. If you want to know how, what's the physical process to accepting salvation, this is the book that you need to grab. Uh, now, look, folks, uh, the to get this book, all you need to do is to text us. Our drive time text number is 488 8081104888811 and the code just in your text just put the code SA131 that's all you need to put in there SA131 text it to 04888 it will come to our um, to our studio uh, screen here but uh, it will also go to our robot and uh, he'll contact you he'll come back to you ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible you'll love this book knowing Jesus uh, knowing God God, uh, 04 888 uh, and that code again is SA131. Now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And uh, guiding us through our discussion today, we have Pastor Brenton Wilkinson. And uh, today we're asking that uh, really big question, what is repentance? Is it essential? We just noted that in our, in our in contemporary world, uh, repentance is something that is no longer popular. It's so much easier to be able to blame somebody else, to not take responsibility True. for what I I am actually guilty of. And uh, Brenton, uh, just bring it all together for us. I'll do my best. I'll give you one or two more examples. These, the, another example that comes to mind of genuine repentance is a guy called Zacchaeus, found in mm. Luke chapter 19. Mm. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and anybody who has done any study on tax collectors in Jewish society would know that they're the scum of the earth as far as um, the rest of uh, Jewish society and of course, and of course, Breton, the reason that they were actually despised was because in Jesus' day, the tax collector was actually enabled to make his income by increasing the taxes. So yes. if in fact you wanted to make a, a, a good profit, yes. uh, what you, what you did was you got the commission from the, uh, from the Romans to collect the taxes and then you added your own expenses on top, right. uh, and, uh, worked very nicely. Uh, it worked well. Yes, good. Anyway, what happened here is that um, the people are most upset because Christ has said he's going home to Zacchaeus's place for a meal. When he gets home, Zacchaeus says, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay them back four times. That's an mm. example of genuine repentance because Christ's answer, Christ's response is, this day salvation has come to this house because yeah. this man is also a son of Abraham. Imagine yeah. calling a tax collector a son of Abraham yeah. with all the Pharisees and scribes and all the other the guys around. So another example that comes quickly to mind is the Apostle Paul. 
uh, the Apostle Paul, I would describe him, Gary, in his early days as a religious fanatic. Mm, mm. Um, God turned him around and he talks in First Timothy 1 verse 13 to 16. He calls himself the least of all the apostles mm. because I persecuted the church of God. Yeah. Did God yeah. grant repentance? Yes, God did grant repentance. Now, here's the point. If people don't remember anything of today's study, repentance isn't something you can work up. Repentance Mm. is a gift. Mm. Acts 5 verse 31 talks about how God exalted Christ to his right hand and gave him repentance for Israel. Mm. Repentance for what? For crucifying the Son of God. Mm. for crucifying the Messiah. Repentance is a gift. You can't work repentance up. What you can do is pray that God will guide you. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you that you need repentance. In Acts chapter 2, which we know as the day of Pentecost, Peter says to them, you killed the Prince of Life. You nailed him to a tree. Peter's preaching here, isn't he? Uh, Peter's preaching. This is the same Peter who's, I don't know, didn't know the man, don't yeah, know the man, yeah, only yeah. 40 or 50 days before. Same Peter. This time he's a transformed Peter. He's a converted Peter in the fullest sense of the word. And he drives home to them that even though they didn't personally bang the nails into Christ's hands and feet, they collectively are responsible for the death of the Messiah. Yeah. And their answer is, men and brethren, what what are we, we going to do? What, do, do? what is his answer? Yeah. Repent and be baptised. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Two, the two are linked together, aren't they? And I think they Pete, are. Peter's answer mm. there they is actually quite instructive. I think that's a pretty important uh, answer. I, I think it's vital, particularly mm. in the contemporary world, because yes. you know it, it is so easy to simply use this blame game. You know, I'm not responsible uh, for this. You mm. know, I mean, uh, to, to actually bring people to the point of conversion, you actually have to bring them firstly to the point of repentance, so that they are prepared. In fact, to me, one of the things that I really uh, I really love one of the passages of uh, of scripture that I, I I think is really beautiful is actually uh, found in uh, in second uh, second Peter. This is Peter's uh, epistle, yes. um, and uh, uh, it actually explains to me why it is that Jesus has not come yet. And I think this is a yeah. really beautiful little passage, actually. Let me guess, you're going to read verse 9. I'm right? going to read about <laughs> verse 9. That's right. right. It's a, okay. the, oh, right. I, I think this is just so good. It's a good one. Second, uh, Second Peter chapter, chapter 3, and uh, let me go um, uh, from verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. And, of course, he's talking about the uh, coming of, uh, of Jesus Christ. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what Peter is saying come here? Come to repentance. Come to repentance. Now, if you've got a mushy um, Father Christmas God, no need for repentance. Yeah. God is a God of love. He's also a God of justice. This is the part that I believe a correct understanding of Scripture for ourselves and also for our listeners is important. Study the Bible to understand God as a God of love, but also study the Bible to understand that God is a God of justice. Now, he's the only being in the whole universe that has the balance, as we would say, just right. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think that is so <clears throat> key, what it is that you're actually, you know, right now in our world, you know, you get, uh, uh, you know, all these cries everywhere for justice. Yes. And of yes, course, can humanity provide justice? No, it can't. No, Why no. cannot it provide justice? Because deep within humanity, uh, there is this element called sin. Uh, you know, it's not until the issue of sin is resolved that justice can be resolved. Yes. And, uh, I love this passage here, not willing. That God is actually, he, he's actually holding back coming the second time and redeeming his, his followers because he's not willing that any, any should perish. perish, but that all should come to repentance. I love this because it means that, hey, if a person isn't yet ready, there is hope. Yes, but it also tells me another thing. It doesn't tell me that everyone is going to be saved. It tells me that the opportunity is there for everyone to be saved. Yeah, yeah. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's not get into predestination, but in a sense, God is saying, I have predestined all of you to be saved, but you have to choose to do that. You have to choose I to think, accept it. I think you've summed that up beautifully, actually, because God, through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice and his death, he's taken the action yes. that is enabling us, enabling all of humanity to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he's taken the initiative. God's desire, however, mm. doesn't overrule Human choice. choice. And to me, I look at that and I say, hey, what is it that's actually holding me um, back from a close relationship to Jesus Christ? It's actually my choice. I think that, you know, when, when I look at this, it's, you know, am I prepared to just come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I am the one who has made many mistakes. Yeah. I am the That's one right. who has struggled. I yes. am the one who yes. has gone against you. I am the one who has defied you. I am the one who is guilty. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. No, no blame. No, no blame. No blame. But here's the thing in, uh, in, in closing. God's guilt can be washed away in the blood of the lamb, as we say. Um, there is different types Man's of guilt. guilt. Yeah. The guilt that God brings or that the Holy Spirit brings to a person when they recognize their sinfulness is not designed to crush them. It's designed to show them that there is an option. The option yeah. is to come to Christ whose grace covers that yeah. guilt. Yeah. But again, it comes back to choice. Now, if God took away the issue of choice, we are basically all robots. Indeed, AIs. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed. We don't have any say in the matter, but God's love is such that he allows us the freedom to, to be freedom. able to choose. He calls us. Mm. I love it. You know, he calls us this through the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is so important. Indeed. Look, let me just pray. I'd, I'd just like to pray if I can, Brendan, sure. because I'm just so conscious so. that there may be some who, who may be listening who are wanting to come to Jesus Christ. Let oh, me pray I for agree. those people. Totally. Father in heaven, Lord, come to you right now. 
Lord, I'm conscious that right now we might have, that I believe there is somebody that is listening right yes, now Lord. who mm. is being convicted by the Holy Spirit that they are guilty. Yes. Uh, Lord, yeah. I just pray for that individual right now. Mm. Uh, Lord, they are wanting to come to you. Lord, just as they raise their hand, mm. uh, Lord, as they raise their finger, I pray that you might see that, that you might acknowledge that. Uh, Lord, uh, they acknowledge that they are guilty. Lord, I pray that you might fulfill your word. Lord, that you might forgive and that you might give that individual peace. Yes, Lord. For, Lord, that is what you have promised, and we claim your promise. We say thank you for fulfilling your word in so many lives today. Thank you. Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan uh, will be joining us and they'll be looking at the question, how can I know that I've been accepted? Really look forward to you being with us uh, tomorrow. But until then, please remember, uh, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.